Lord. I pray, God, that you would anoint me to teach and to preach in a way that could be understood by all, that we walk away from and the ability to in every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's a continuation of the message from two weeks ago. Thanks all to all who traveled with us for the uh, unity service. How many of you enjoyed the unity service with the rest of the body of Christ? Amen. Amen. I'm glad they didn't hear that clap, but we were excited anyhow to go and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I started a message a couple of Sundays ago called Be Still. Got to learn how to be still. Worry will get you moving. Anxiety will get you moving uh, in a way that is too early, in a way that is purely from fear. We cannot allow fear to us. We must only allow faith to do that. To be still, God is with an expectation to see him perform his word. It is to remain in faith that his word will be filled at the appointed time. By a show of hands, how many of you have any unanswered prayers right now? Got some unanswered prayers, some things that you're believing God for, but you haven't seen them happen yet. For us today is just still until. This God that we serve, he's not a liar, he's not a promise breaker. If you put your trust in him, all you have to do is be still until. Until that appointed time, until that suddenly occurs in your life. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever had an answered prayer? So prayer works, right? God is faithful. God loves us all. He might not answer every prayer in the time that you want him to answer it or how you wanted him to answer it, but we know that God is love and he's always going to do what's best for his great will towards us. So we mean to be still. What does it mean to be? To be is a command to release our being to him, to become united in him through obedience to following his words or command. Can you say obedience? The number one thing you need to be doing while you're waiting on God to answer a prayer for you is be obedient. There's no such thing as stillness if we're not being obedient to what he said do. The blessing will always intersect that person that has faith and is trusting God and is obeying God. So we must be still and we must be obedient to his word as well. He will never ask us to be something in which he has not already supplied the ability. When he commands us to be something, he plans on his word to be completed and called good. He said, let there be light, and there was light, and he called it good. When God tells us to be something, he's taking us from one state of being to another state of being. Whatever proceeds the word be, or whatever the word be, will become our next condition. So when God holy you can be holy when he says be faithful you can be faithful so what does it mean to be still proverbs 8 29 says this i will set the limits of the seas so that they cannot spread beyond the boundaries and when he marked off the earth's foundation stillness is a boundary you see god told every ocean still they roar all over the place where there's Water, but at that mark of land, at the shore, stillness and gave them their boundaries. So to be still, 
to remain in a boundary. It's a space that separates movement. God also, in Job 26, 7, stretched the sky over empty space and hung the earth on nothing. So stillness is also to remain in the place or position you were set. So wherever God put you, wherever God told you to do, you should be found there, right, when he looks back towards you. I've told my son many times, you got to sit down and be still. And before I even turn my back, they're moving again. Don't let God catch us moving because it's fear that moves you. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bill or my son, I don't know if they're ever going to behave. And, and you just begin to do things on your own. But doing things on your own doesn't bring God's blessing to you. It brings whatever you're trying to conjure up, and he gets no glory from that. To be still is to stop motion, to avoid trouble, to await the next order, to come back under the authority of God, to stop your activity and enter his rest. It is to remain in place so that you will, be, you will intersect appointment with a blessing. Because God, when God tells you to be still and wait right there, he's cooking something. So it's no different than mom saying, all right, come to the table, time to eat, right? She wants you to still yourself at the table because she has prepared something for you. Don't let mom catch you in the pantry. Don't let mom in the refrigerator, right? When she told you dinner is ready, come to the table and still yourself. I've prepared something for you. So she's going to bring it to where she told you to be. Do you hear what I'm God is going to bring the blessing to where he told you to be. That's the importance of stillness. You right there. I don't care if anybody says God told me to tell you. I don't care what the circumstances say. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what the stock market says. When God says you obey me and you just be still, you be still right there. So when he comes with the blessing, he can find you. To be still is to die to your own will. To be still obedience to the last thing God do while we're being still we're to do two things we need to be still and know Psalms 46 10 and 11 be still and know that I am God I will be honored by every nation I will be honored throughout the world the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us the God of Israel is our fortress so while we're being still must know that he is God. Can you say this with me? I will be still, will be still. and know he is God. That's step number one to being still. You've got to create knowing in your mind. Push out all that junk that says, oh, do it on your own, or you don't have to wait for God. Who is he? Get all that garbage out of your mind and create a knowing. When knowing, you can be still. Because when you're afraid, you're on the move, you're pacing, you're worrying, you're trying all these things on your own. But when you have a knowing that he's God, oh man, he's God, he loves me, he's, he's good, I can trust him, I'll wait for the Lord, that can help you in your stillness. So in order to establish a stillness, a calmness, a peace, it has to be a knowing that he is God. He is a healer, he is a provider, protector, he is God, and there is nothing or Anyone that can resist us because the word says, if God be for you, then who can be against you? So you got to know who God is and know that there's nothing in the world, no circumstance, no person, no demon can move you away from God's eyesight or move you away from his love. I will be still and I will know. 
Fear comes when you start thinking about other things. Lose your knowing. You lose sight of who God is. But to be still, we must know. And then after the knowing, there is a seeing. We must be still and see. Okay? Exodus chapter 14, 13 through 14 says this. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see salvation, which he was for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. And for peace. Imagine how nervous the children Israel were. Here they were at a great uh, body of water, mountains on the side of them, and Pharaoh's army rushing toward them with mighty anger. They were nervous and afraid. And Noah, and Noah, good Lord, Moses, I'm thinking about the water, Noah, Lord help me, Moses, <laughs> Moses says to them, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. So he said, everyone turn and look at the Egyptians. Look at the trouble. And don't you worry about that trouble making it to you. These Egyptians that you see right now before you, you will never see them again because God is going to deliver you. So there has to be a knowing first that God is a deliverer, and the knowing will produce a seeing. So you just stay in faith and know that you will soon see what God has promised. So... That was a review. Now I can preach today's message to you. All right. So what all that does, what being still does, it is, is it sets us up for a suddenly. Church, can you say suddenly? suddenly. Oh, my goodness. Suddenlies are exciting. I get excited about the suddenlies of God because actually, depending on how we wait in the meantime, in the meantime between now Suddenly, when God moves, the meantime can be a mean time. It can just be a mean time. When you're waiting on the Lord to do something for you, focus about you lose the knowing and you lose the seeing, the time gets mean. That's when depression tries to set in and anxiety tries to set in. The time tries to be mean to you when you're being still if you lose focus who he is, and your desire to see the salvation of the Lord. So when you're looking at a problem or, you're, or uh, people know that you have a problem and they ask you, hey, what's going on with what the doctor said or how's the marriage or how's the business? You just tell them, oh, I'm just waiting to see something. Well, what are you waiting to see? A suddenly. What's a suddenly? It's when God shows up. Miracle in my life is what I've been trusting him and waiting for. Now, listen, many of us sitting here today have had some suddenlies. I thought I was going to die. One day I got a suddenly from my brother Carlos in Nevada. He said, Damien, I want to give you a kidney. I didn't believe him because this is the same who could eat a whole pizza in front of me and not give me one piece of pizza. But suddenly, but suddenly, but suddenly he wants to give me a body part. So God worked on the heart of my brother to create a suddenly in my life as I was waiting for God to move on my behalf. That's why you have to be still. That's why you have to be still so you can see the salvation of the Lord. Because all the while, you got to know that we serve a crockpot God. He's not 
microwave God. He's a crockpot God. Crockpots cook slow and delicious. Okay, let me stop because I'm hungry. <laughs> but when mom puts a roast or wife puts a roast in the crock pot, you come home and you open that door, the aroma of what's cooking excites you. Now listen to me. If you walk by faith, not by sight, you should smell and sense the aroma of the miracle that God is cooking up for you to keep it. Because you have never, not one person in here has never seen God fail. And if we've never seen him fail, we can expect a suddenly to occur in our lives. So when God speaks, he is setting us up for a suddenly. The Bible is full of suddenlies. You define scripture related to your situation. Pray the scripture and set yourself up for a suddenly. Because when God speaks, things begin to happen. We're going to John chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. And it says this. Remember, set up for a suddenly. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from scripture. Passion for God's house will consume me. So the disciples witnessed a suddenly. Okay, so there was a prophecy long ago that said that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would have a passion for God's house. And now he walks into the temple and sees this business going on. And his passion enrages him and he chases everything away. Remember, anytime God speaks, there will always be a suddenly created. Sometimes it happens instantly. At the time of Lazarus, it happened instantly. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus arose from the dead immediately. But sometimes when God speaks, we have to wait to see it. And that creates that moment in time where we must be still and know that he is God and be still and expect to see his salvation. Verse 18, but the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. They wanted, a suddenly, they wanted to create a suddenly for themselves. Sometimes we ask God for a suddenly, and that's not what he wants to do at that time. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't move God outside of his will. All right? So we have to pray and determine and know what his will is for us. So they were trying to create a suddenly. Verse uh, 19, all right, Jesus replied, you want to suddenly, you want to see something? He said, I'm going to show you something. Listen to what he said. It happened when he said it, but it was a setup for a suddenly to occur later. He says this to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You see, when God speaks, a suddenly is created because it's impossible for God to say something and it not happen. If you're taking notes, I hope you write that down. It's impossible for God to say something and it not happen, okay? Verse 20, what they exclaimed, it has taken four 
six years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in six days? Obviously, they thought they were talking about the house of worship. But the temple that Jesus was talking about was his own body. Saying, if you crucify me, if you kill me, if you tear this body down, if you tear down this temple, three days later, I'll again. Church, can you say suddenly? suddenly. So when God that a suddenly what that was already cooking was made known to them, I'm going to show you something if you want to see a sign. So when God speaks, it gives birth to life. Something is going to happen at the time he appoints. In this case, how many days after they tore his body down did he say a suddenly would occur? Three days. Everyone. Three days. Three days. All right. So sometimes, church, in the middle of our storm, in the middle of our chaos, in the middle of our anxiety, we've got to how to still ourselves with prayer, calm ourselves down in prayer. And we find Jesus doing that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 9. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter, Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was still fully human as well, had moments of stress. Okay? He had moments of stress, moments of anguish. Okay? And see what he did. Verse 39. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying. Jesus, when he was distressed, prayed. If Jesus needed to pray, do you think you ought to pray? Yes. Exactly. That's what we do when we're stressed. That's what we do when we're worried. We bow our heads and we pray, and this is what he said to still himself. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering away from me. yet I want your one not mine if yourself, you've got to get rid of what you want God to do and you gotta say I just release myself to your will surrender to your will God you don't have to do what I'm asking you to do so I'm just gonna ask that you would do whatever your will is that's how you steal yourself in trouble. Listen to me. You cannot think yourself out of trouble. You cannot Google search yourself out of trouble. You cannot medicate yourself out of trouble. You cannot drink or smoke yourself out of trouble. The only thing that gets us out of trouble is God Almighty himself. Learn how to call upon the name of the Lord. Not your gossip girls, not your drinking buddies. You got to call upon the name of the Lord when you're in trouble and so that you can yourself. And even there in the garden, he asked his friends to pray for him. Ask your friends to pray for you. Now this takes us back to the suddenly. Because Jesus announced something in the sight of all the public that they heard him. And they remembered what he said. 
We're in Matthew chapter 27, verses 57 through 66 right now, and it says this. As evening approached, Joseph, and Jesus has already been crucified at this point. Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued, issued an order to release it to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in the long sheet of clean linen. But do you know what else Jesus' body was wrapped in? A suddenly. A suddenly. See, they weren't so worried about this Jesus now because they didn't realize that he had been wrapped in a suddenly. They didn't realize that he was just resting and sleeping for three days because he had already spoken his word. So you know what his word was doing? His word was hovering on the earth, just waiting to be performed at the right time. Do you know what God's word is doing for us now? Since all of his promises are yes and amen, they're just hovering over the earth, waiting for the appointed time. Jesus, the word of God says that God looks over his word, right, so that he can perform. In that due time. Continue. Verse 60. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled the stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, we remember what the deceiver wanted he was still alive. So basically, they were calling him a deceiver because they thought he was a liar, okay, because how can you really kill the Son of God? But they still remembered what he said. It would do us well to remember what God said. That will keep your knowing going. Oh, I like when it rhymes. <laughs> that will keep your knowing going, all right? I remember it. I, I feel afraid right now. I feel a little nervous right now. Time is approaching, but I remember what he said. And these weren't even believers that remembered what he said, but listen to what they went on to do. After th He said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise from the dead. So that you seal the tomb until the third day. This his disciples from coming and still his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. I replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Listen to me. There will be times in your life where it will seem like the forces of hell to come to seal you away so that the suddenly will not occur in your life. You've been trusting that God will maybe help you and your husband to obtain a house, but your or maybe is not where it needs to be. And so it seems like the bank, they're saying no, and they have promise behind a credit score. Or the doctor, they say, listen, we've got an MRI, or we've got an x-ray, it shows cancer in your body. And with that x-ray, they try to seal your behind the door. But what they do not know is that you have trust in someone that is greater than the doctor and greater than the living. You have trust in your God that he will perform a suddenly in your life because you serve a God that cannot and will not lie. There was some deception going on here. They said, let us 
seal this tomb so that the disciples can't come and lie. The disciples didn't come and lie because the disciples didn't have anything to do that was about to happen behind that sealed tomb. So we have to learn how, church, to be still the suddenly. Can you say suddenly? See, this is what we're believing God for is the suddenly. Because there's one big suddenly that all Christians are waiting for. Because on one day, there will be a sound of a trumpet that comes from the sky. And suddenly, the dead in Christ will rise and they will go up to meet the Lord in the air. But there's one more suddenly hanging around out there. There's one more thing Jesus said was going to happen happened yet. He said that he would be risen from the dead in three days and it happened. Now he said that he's coming back to this earth again so we're waiting on one more suddenly. Have received Jesus Christ as your savior. Are you ready for that suddenly? Or there's this thing they call sudden death. We don't know when we're going to die. But when we die, that seals the deal. There is no chance death to get it right with Christ. You have to believe on him now and call him Lord and Savior and trust on him for your while there is still time. So we have to be still until the suddenly. Until the suddenly that occurred. Remember when Jesus said, if you tear this temple down, I'll raise it up again in three days. That created the, the um, setup for a suddenly. But let's see what happens now. Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. All right, I'm glad it says tomb there, not visit Jesus, because they're going to be kind of disappointed. He's gone. Verse 2. Is it on the screen? The first word in verse 2. Can you say it like you mean it? See, this is what we're waiting for. See, while you're being still and waiting on God, waiting for a suddenly to occur. He said, tear this body down, in three days I'll raise it up. And that was the setup for a suddenly. But here we see the suddenly occurring, verse 2. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The gods shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. Then the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. Listen to me. If you will just be still, and if you will trust God, he will create a suddenly in your life. And what this suddenly does is it creates an app the prior condition. So if you were waiting on God to heal you, the next time you see somebody, after you're suddenly, they will say, I thought you were sick. Nope, I had a suddenly. I thought you guys weren't together anymore. Nope, we had a suddenly. I thought your house was being foreclosed on. Nope, we had a suddenly. I thought they were going to repossess your car. Nope, 
out of suddenly. I thought your children, I thought this child was running off, and you said that he was headed for jail, and you didn't know where he was, and now here he is, and he's given his life to the Lord. Yes, we had a suddenly. The beauty of being still until is that God will create a suddenly in your life, and you will be able to give God praise for what is done, and there will be witnesses around us to suddenly happen in your life. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus, the woman, they were very frightened but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And they, as they went, Jesus met them greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then he said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and stole his bride. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. The story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. So they had to lie about what happened at the tomb. And many Jews still believe that Jesus' body was stolen from the grave. 16. Then the 11 disciples took, left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make the of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's exactly what we we baptize more disciples, right? Therefore, go and make disciples, he told them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. So what is our conclusion today? Our conclusion today is that whatever God says is going to happen, whether that be good or bad, whether you set yourself up for the blessings in heaven or set yourself up for the curses, in heaven, whatever God says is going to happen. The most important thing we must walk away with is that when God speaks, it must happen. Let there be light, and there was light. And he saw the light, and it was good. If you tear this temple down in three days, I will raise it up again. And we see three days later, a suddenly was created. So why does this occur? Why is it that when God speaks, that it must be done? That something must happen? What is that equation? If this was an algebra problem, the be still, until suddenly. If that was a mathematical equation, is it that if you be still and trust God's word until the suddenly, that there will always be a suddenly? Why is that? Why does this work? It, work? it works because God does not lie. And here's what he has said about his word. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. This set the stage for all time for us to know 
that he is God, us to see his salvation, to have an expectation of an until and a suddenly. Listen to what was written by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. Here's what God said. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent. Church, can you say, it shall. There's the power still until suddenly occurs. When God speaks, it shall happen. Can you stand this morning? I told you just a little bit ago, at Christmas time, we're excited that Jesus came and we give each other's gifts to commemorate that moment that Jesus came as a gift from his father to this world so that we might be saved. And Resurrection Sunday comes along and we celebrate that he died. But there's still a forever holiday. You see, these holidays exist in time. But there is a holiday that exists outside of time. There is something that we will celebrate nonstop. December 26th, we're pretty much done with Christmas. Tomorrow, this. But there is one more suddenly out there that is waiting to manifest that we will never stop celebrating. And that suddenly is when Jesus comes back to get his church, to get his bride. It will happen. There was a prophecy that a virgin would give birth to the Son of God. It happened. There was a prophecy that Jesus Christ will be crucified. The Bible says, that hangs upon a tree. He took all the curses and all the on his body. And 2,000 years ago, there's proven outside of the Bible of the existence of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? There's historical writings and facts from that time period that prove that Jesus Christ was on earth. So not only was he born, and not only did he die, but he's coming back. That's a fact, okay? But here's the thing. Will you go with him, or will you be separated and removed from his presence for all time and thrown into the lake of fire that was never made for man, but because of the fall and because of sin, God cannot live with sin. He, he must remove it. And he doesn't want you to live with sin either. So he sent his son to remove it from you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask anyone in here that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, what a perfect day, what a perfect day to give your life to the Lord. And not only do you have the ability to repent today, you can repent and be baptized in the same day, same hour.
So I'm going to pray for you. Prayer, I'm going to have an altar call. And if today is the day that you make it known that forgive me of my sins, I want to receive your love, and I want to love you for all time, and I do not want to go to heaven. My desire is to be with you, Jesus, because you came to free me from my sin. Father, I pray for those who can hear my voice right now, who don't want you as Savior. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill this room with love and compassion. Jesus died for you because he loves you. This is not some religious garbage that I am spouting. This is the truth. The sun rises every day. The Son of God is going to return to this earth to find out if there are still those who have faith in him. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that if anyone in this room, from a baby an adult desires to give their life to you today, God, that you will save them because you promised that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, all they have to do is on you, that you're the son of God, that you came to this earth in the flesh, that you were crucified for our sins, and that three days later you rose from the grave with all power, and then you went back to heaven and you sent your Holy Spirit who will lead us and guide us in truth the day of the Lord has come. Lord, is there anyone in this room that you want to save today? Is there anyone in this room that if they died today, God, that they would not ever see your face in peace? Lord, save somebody today. Show them how much you love them. May they be free from the hand of the enemy. May they be free from oppression. For your word says...